podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Naishad Gadani coming to you from sunny Melbourne. And today is 169th episode of Career Care Package, our daily LinkedIn live show, which is about spreading optimism and hope in these dark times. And on today's show, we are talking about people who are very quiet. Now, not so much quiet in their words, but also, you know, in the, how they approach things. And that's what we want to talk about. It's a very interesting topic. And to, to help us really unpack this, uh, this topic, we have invited the best. Uh, and she has written a book called Quietly Powerful. And she has, Megumi has also won the award. The book has won the award of Australian Career Book of the Year Award. So it's a fantastic research, insightful you know, stories and anecdotes around how people who are quiet you know, can also lead um, and drive a huge impact on organizations as well. So that's what we want to talk about. I'm pretty sure that there are many, many people who are quiet or even watching this LinkedIn Live also, but you don't ask those questions. So take this opportunity today to ask a question uh, because it's in that interaction only that we are able to learn. Before, as you can see, Caroline is not here today really good um you know she's um you know she's taking advantage of the eased restrictions so that's why we have invited serena lo you would know serena she has appeared on our show probably two three times before and she's an absolute fantastic co-host for this particular you know uh you know topic around quietly powerful because she works with many many people who are introverts so before we bring a Megumi. Let's welcome Serena Lo. Serena. Thanks so much, Neshad. It's a privilege to be here as a co-host today. And I'm so excited. We're talking about quietly powerful, you know, leadership and quietly powerful people. Look, I've even got my book here. A copy of Megumi's book. I'm so excited. I've been reading her book to prepare for this interview. Excellent. All right, Megumi, uh, do you, you know, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about you, the work that you do, and what really kind of compelled you to write this book? Sure. Um, so thank you for having me here. It's uh, really lovely to be here. And I've never done a LinkedIn Live, so this is quite exciting for me. So why did I write the book? So the book took me about three years or so, three and a half years or so to, to get to the point of publishing. Um, and the reason why I wrote it is because I was already working on this idea of Quietly Powerful for a number of years. And uh, so I've been working on this idea for about four and a half years now. And the reason why I started that whole idea is because 
of two reasons. One is because I'm naturally quieter. And uh, as my mum would often say to me, uh, when I was little, she used to talk on my behalf because I would never say much. <laughs> and so uh, I was always quiet. And as a Japanese person, I was even quiet amongst Japanese people. So so I was, uh, I was pretty quiet. And um, as, a, as I grew up and got, went into my career, it was a challenge. And I found that I had to really put on my confident face. And I felt like I had to, as they say, fake it till you make it. And I absolutely burnt out as a result. And um, not the only reason why, but it certainly really felt exhausting. And so I sort of thought that there's something not quite right about just con continuing to fake it because it is quite exhausting. And I just had an experience probably about seven years ago or so when I had a, a realisation that perhaps there's a different way. And I knew intellectually, but I had this realisation that I could do something different. The second reason is because I work in the field of leadership and organisational culture and I've uh, been working in that field for a good 20 years. And I noticed that there are some quieter leaders that we're overlooking and they are super incredible leaders that, you know, if I was working for a leader like that, I would feel fantastic to work for them. So I just thought, well, there's something not quite right with the balance. I'm not saying that quiet leaders should overtake anybody, but it's that the balance isn't quite right. So that's how I got to write the book in the end. That's a really good. Yeah, no, no, go ahead, Selena. Yes, um, because you said there about quiet leaders being overlooked, and I'm just curious to know that what's the difference between a quiet person and a quiet leader, a quietly powerful leader, because that's the title of your book. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between quiet and quietly powerful. Is something that I do talk about in the book, because you can be simply quiet and nobody hears you and you can become invisible and you may feel quite disempowered as a result. The quietly powerful leaders, however, have a quieter nature or they use quiet in a useful way or a powerful way such that they have impact. And so if you can think of quieter leaders who may perhaps not say a lot, but when they do, everybody listens. Have you come across people like that? That to me is a quietly powerful leader. Another example of a quietly powerful leader, and I've interviewed 29 of them to go into the book and I'll continue to interview many more quietly powerful leaders. The things that I find about them is that they use their quieter nature as a leadership strength. We, we often think of leaders as being the gregarious, outgoing, outspoken person, but actually some of those quieter leaders allow others to shine because they're not taking up the space. And to me, that allows them to really help teams to flourish, teams to bring their best game. game. And as a result, the whole team flourishes. And so it's not the superhero type of leadership. It's very much that humble, supportive, empowering leadership that I believe we need more of in this world. But you say quiet and, you know, and, you know, Serena also works with many people who are introvert. Is there a difference between somebody who is a quiet and somebody who is an introvert? Mm. I wouldn't say different. I think uh, introverts are part of the, the quiet group. 
It's just that I realise, um, and, and I realised this through experience. I, I was doing public talks and I've been running programs and coaching, and I noticed that it wasn't just introverts coming to my talks and programs. <laughs> and so I, I got a bit curious and wondered, I wonder what it is, because I initially thought it was about introverts, but actually it became a little bit broader. And so what I realised through these programs and through the coaching that I've done, some people can be a little quiet, quietly disempowered, perhaps more so in the workplace than in a social context where they know people, possibly because they're a little anxious or they, they feel like they can't speak up because they don't feel like they have something to add. Or it could be that they're quite sensitive. So they might be quite sensitive to what's going on and they feel like, oh, I don't really want to ruffle the feathers, so let's stay quiet. Or it could be just how they've been brought up. So having a Japanese upbringing and Serena, I don't know about you, but there's probably a, it's a bit of a stereotype, but in many, many Asian families and cultures, uh, people are often told or kids are often told, you know, you shouldn't speak up against authority or parents or teachers or all those sorts of things. And so we get used to that sort of pattern and so we get conditioned. So even if you're an extrovert person, you might just have this little voice that says, oh, no, you shouldn't say that in your head. And so that holds you back. Um, and there's also sometimes a, a power dynamic at play. So, for example, if you're sitting around in a room there's bound to be somebody who possibly is more senior or somebody who knows something better. Or if you're in an organisation, you know how there's a dynamic where usually the centres that make profit are more powerful than the support functions, you know. So it's not just about hierarchy. There's a whole range of power dynamics at play. And so when you are in the place of having less power rank, it may feel uncomfortable to speak up in those instances as well. So all of these can lead to you feeling a little quietly disempowered. So for me, it's about helping those people to find their voice and be quietly powerful. It doesn't have to be, you have to be loud. It's about finding your voice and be able to contribute in a useful way. In the last um, three years, Megumi, since um, since I saw you on your business breakfast at NAB, would you say there has been a greater awareness, at least in Australia, around what introverts are and how they are different in the, in the corporate workspace? I think, um, well, I'm sure you're familiar with Susan Cain's work that's really raised the profile of introverts, if you like. So I think since then it's been increasingly understood in terms of what um what introverts are about but then also there's misunderstandings and stereotypes that come into play so i think this whole idea of if you're a quiet you're an introvert well that's not necessarily the case as i explained um so that's a stereotype and there's also i find that stereotypes about introverts are certain uh, that they're, they're a certain way so for example i can't say i i'm i'm a definitely an introvert but but i can't say i fit into some of the descriptions of introverts such as being very detail focused and um, uh, loves books and things like that. I don't quite fit into that category and I don't think that's about introversion at all, actually. <laughs> it's it's different characteristics, different personality traits that gets bungled up into introversion. So I think there's some um, messiness and mix-up around our understanding of introversion. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can cite so many examples, you know, growing up in an Indian family where, you know, I could not, 
if if I was going to a tuition and the maths teacher says your son's you know not doing well, my dad would not listen to me. He would say your teacher is always right. You must have done something, and that's why your teacher is upset. So I think I think that idea of um, authoritative and power dynamics plays an in, enormous role. And if I can also cite another anecdote specifically from migrant point of view, coming mm. here to, to build a career. And I've seen a lot of the migrants find it very difficult, although they were, you know, the, the power dynamics is huge because, yeah. because, you know, like if my CEO would come and, uh, you know, walk by me, and if I'm having a coffee in Australia, I don't mind. You know, he can walk by me, or she can walk yeah. by me. I have no problem. I can still have my coffee. But had it been in India, yeah. I would sit, stand up straight, and said, "Oh, go hang on. Have I ever done any crime by having yeah. a coffee or breakfast?" So I can see that that yeah. that difference. And in that context, I think people who are who are also very talented don't don't really share their ideas because mm. there's there's a constant fear of being uh, you know you know being ridiculed or being yeah. laughed at or yeah. maybe maybe I don't I don't matter have you seen those kind of also threads yeah. emerging in your in your book or even in your the research and interviews yeah. for your book yeah. So I would say I've found that more through the programs and the coaching that I do. And I think you're absolutely right about if you're talking about migrants, it's not only the conditioning that they've had in their home country, perhaps about authority, but the other thing that's at play is often they will be in the minority in an organisation, I imagine. Yeah, So you're coming in, potentially English is your second language, which makes you even more a minority uh, when you're surrounded by people with English as a first language. And um, and so you feel like you're on the outer already. And when you feel like you're on the outer, you feel less powerful and therefore less able to speak without feeling like you're going to get judged. And for people who've not experienced that, it's quite under, hard to understand, I think. And that's the challenge, I think, of helping people to feel more included and feel like they, they have a say and they can have a say. Um, but I think to help people understand what that's like for, for people who haven't experienced being in the minority, if you can imagine, if you're surrounded by a group of people or friends and you know that they have a certain view, I don't know, about politics or religion or something like that, and you have a different view, you often don't say anything, yeah, because you, you don't want to be kind of on the outer. And so that's how what it can feel like to be in a minority. So it's a lot harder. It takes a lot more effort to speak up and say something. So I think you're absolutely right now, Naish, about how it can be challenging for migrants as well as people who may be be seen as being in the minority. There's another aspect that I've seen in working with introverts also, It's and it's partly cultural and partly like Nisha mm. says about the, the aspect of being mm. a migrant. And that is almost like that you need permission in order to speak mm -hmm. up, that someone else has to validate you or give you yeah, give you the permission. Yeah. I've even seen people on Zoom, like, you know, raise your hand or wait to be acknowledged. And yep. sometimes they wait quite a long time because, yep. you know, the host didn't happen to see them. And so they, don't, yep. they miss the opportunity to speak. Yes, 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 absolutely. And it's it's permission and it's also, to some extent, for some people, it's about politeness. <laughs> you know, we just have this feeling that you don't want to talk over people. So we wait 
Um, in fact, there's a, <laughs> it's a wonderful podcast that I did with two other quietly powerful leaders that I interviewed. Um, have you come across This Working Life, the podcast? It's the ABC Radio National podcast by Lisa Leong. Anyway, um, the very beginning of that podcast illustrate that point very, very nicely. So if you ever have a chance, have a look at that because it's very funny. It's called the, the Secret Power of Quiet Leaders, I think it is. Um, and apparently it's one of the most downloaded podcasts ever in their, in their show. So that was quite interesting to hear. Mm. But, yeah, no, I think Excellent. that's right. Politeness. We've got a question from Caroline Brown. Um, you know, what are your best tips for quieter people to be able to confidently speak up? Mm -hmm. I imagine it might be different for different people because that will require a lot of courage, isn't it? A lot of, lot of extra support, cheerleading. I don't know what it would be. It would require, but. Tell us, you know, what are some of your tips of how quieter people can confidently speak up? Mm. Yeah, I've um, I've written quite a lot and I've even done a, a little video about that too. So um, if any, anybody's interested, just um, let me know and I can share that with you. In fact, if anybody's interested in all these resources, the quietlypowerful.com.au has a whole bunch of resources there. Um, but in terms of speaking up, um, it's a very common challenge because there's not only the the fear of speaking up, the fear of being judged and things like that, but there's also this politeness that comes in and you don't want to speak on top of people. So there's a multitude of things that can get in the way. Um, what I share with people is not just about the techniques and tips about speaking up, but actually you have to work on your your inner inner story. <laughs> Because oftentimes we have this story saying to ourselves, saying, uh, oh, you know, I, I don't have anything to say or what I'm about to say isn't good enough or other people know better or those sorts of um, inner critics and inner dialogues can really hold ourselves back, back, even though we may actually be the one that knows more than other people. Um, and, and then you get frustrated watching other people just talk a lot and you think, oh, they don't know anything they're talking about. <laughs> so it's frustrating. But it, it's it's that inner work that is quite hard to do, but it's such an empowering thing to do if you can start to work on dealing with some of those inner voices that hold us back. So that's one thing. And, uh, and the other thing is working out some strategies about being able to speak up before, during and after a meeting. So before you may want to really think about some of the things you want to say. And so in order to do that, you might want to prepare, you might want to ask the chair about what's going to be talked about, what information you could read before and all of those things you can do if it's an important enough meeting and you want to speak up. Um, you can even ask the chair, I, I will have something to say if I struggle to get in, could I just raise a hand and, you know, could you please keep an eye out for me? So you could, you know, do, do some prep work to get there. Um, during the meeting, of course, you're going to have some of those internal dialogues. You have to deal with those and have some strategies around that. Finding that calm centre for yourself so you, you're not coming from a reactive place and being able to speak in a way that is quite concise is helpful because then people do listen if you're clear and concise. And then also um, if you find that you've spoken up, being spoken over or you, you weren't able to find the space to say things, then of course there's always the time afterwards to follow up with the right people. So I don't think it's a 
necessarily a um, end of the world if you aren't able to speak in a meeting but of course you do want to be able to so there's a bit of practice involved in that too um, but in, in terms of yeah it, there's an inner work and there's a external techniques if you like could i ask a question that's related to now that we're in this situation where everyone is working mm. remotely do you see opportunities for introverts and you know quiet people to to shine actually mm. while being on zoom mm. because they're working remotely and they don't have that you know that the, the stress perhaps of those face-to-face -face interactions where they have to think very quickly and, and respond very quickly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think there's um uh, opportunities and potential downsides to watch out for so opportunity wise a couple of things i've heard and um, I, I interviewed uh, a personality profiling expert and also um, he, he was the founder of facet 5 personality profiling tool so and i use that tool very much uh, very often anyway he's uh, norman buckley is his name and he said that he's heard of a number of cases where in this COVID world with remote working and virtual meetings that it's been for some people some quieter people it's been an equalizer because you can't talk on top of each other <laughs> because when you do you can't hear anybody <laughs> so people tend to be a little more polite out of forced the technology forcing us to be more polite. So that, that's a, an advantage and a, a benefit. The other thing too is that uh, I've heard from a number of people that managers are noticing the productivity of some of the quieter people. Not everybody, but some people. And because it's not about talking up what you're doing, it's actually looking at the results and outcomes people are getting it's it's the substance of what people are doing managers are noticing that more because in this virtual world it is actually about the outcome and the the work that's been done so that to me is a great opportunity for sure the the downsides though is that being virtual one of the things that may happen for us quieter ones is that we just stay in our shell and we don't interact with people because <laughs> it's easier <laughs> And uh, I'll count myself in for that. I have to remember to go, okay, go and talk to people, call them up, make sure you have some interaction because it, you can get forgotten too if you don't have those connections. And um, also even in a virtual meeting, you want to make sure that you're visible in some way, whether it's putting your hand up or uh, making sure that you have something to say, like we are talking about before preparing and asking people to be, uh, uh, to people to call you in. So there's, there's probably both sides to the story. Excellent. Thank you. Um, just wanted to welcome Ishani, Azar. Uh, you know, welcome. If you've got questions for Megumi, please, uh, you know, drop it in the LinkedIn live chat. Poonam, hi. Swati says, great conversation. Raju, hello, everyone. Now, we've got a question. I don't know who that question is from. It's a uh, an interesting question. I know that I'm quiet, but not sure if I look like a quietly powerful person to others specifically at work in my career i have struggled to stand out despite the fact i know my absolute potential i've seen other people younger than me with less than quarter of my experience can stand out mm. but i don't have this attribute what do you think is the solution for me while i need to find a job but the right job do you suggest mentoring or what are some of your suggestions i think that's a so would be a very typical uh, you know you know question right in the specifically 
Megum, in the times of, you know, COVID times where we have seen a lot of people have lost jobs and losing a job dents confidence and then you suddenly start to think which you normally don't think those ways. I mean, am I not yeah. good enough? Am I, you know, I, you know, other people are getting a chance better than me. What's missing? Why am I, you know, doing that? What are, yeah. what would be your, you know, you know, given this question from this user, what are some of your other observations also beyond this mm -hmm. question as well, Megumi? Mm -hmm. So I think, um, as I said earlier, quiet doesn't equal quietly powerful. So there may be missing things there for that person. I, I like how that person said that I know my potential. That's a really great start. So um, knowing what our strengths are, knowing what our potential or have that feeling that you have great potential is a great start. But there are other things that could get in the way for that person, if I may address that person. Um, so we could be quietly disempowered because we're not aware of the impact of our quiet nature. So let me share with you my own story of, um, I, I was facilitating, co-facilitating a workshop with a colleague and, uh, and I was always the quieter one, but often I'd sit and I'd really intently listen, like with a really serious face. And, um, and I'm really focusing, but then one day I got feedback saying, oh, Megumi's really disengaged when she's not facilitating. It's like, what? <laughs> I, I had no idea that was the impact I was having. And so that was quite, mis I was being misunderstood, if you like. And so, and, and I know at times when I'm walking down the corridor and I'm thinking about something and people would say, smile and go, oh, <laughs> you know, I was looking too concerned or serious. And, and so the impact that we can have, especially as we work in organisations or um, or especially if you're a leader, a lot of people look to you. And if you're not aware of the impact that you have on other people, you can get misunderstood, which can be quite disempowering. Um, the other thing that I would say about being disempowered is that that the the confidence piece you talked about Naish about we start to go into a spiral of am I not good enough am I uh, and also the fear gets tangled into it oh, what if I say something and people think I'm stupid those sorts of inner voices that we talked about earlier can really hold us back and it's not our quiet nature that holds us back it's the fear and anxiety that holds us back um, and also, if we don't believe we have something to offer, then that can hold us back as well. So for that person, it sounds like, you know, this person has some idea about where they can contribute. So that's a really great piece to have. So in terms of the solution, um, <laughs> read the book. <laughs> that would be my solution. <laughs> no, I, I, in all genuine um, offer, it, in terms of the book, it talks about what are some of the steps you can take in order to feel more internally uh, comfortable about going about um, being your quiet nature and still being powerful and also be able to adapt in different ways. So the two strategies that I talk about is appreciating fully. So appreciate ourselves fully, not just our strengths, which we often talk about. Actually, there's some weaknesses that we believe are weaknesses that can be useful. So I talk about that. So appreciate ourselves fully. So we are in a place where we can go, okay, I know where I can contribute my best. And so that's one side. The other side is adapt purposefully. So when we have an impact that we don't want to have, like in my case, where I was looking disengaged, 
you've got to do something about it because it's not helping you. So I, after that feedback, I worked on my facial expressions, you see. <laughs> I heard, did you know, I, I didn't know this, but did you know that apparently Japanese faces tend not to use their eyebrows very often. So I practiced using my eyebrows. <laughs> And also when I'm listening, rather than having that serious face, I'd nod more and I'd smile a little bit, just show that I'm engaged and, and that certainly helped. So adapting purposefully, you know, finding different ways to interact with people will be, uh, show up in a different way for a reason. So not doing it because you need to fit in or anything. It's more about I'm doing it because it's going to be useful. So it sounds like there is an element of cultural awareness here as well, Megumi, because if you were back in Japan, probably people would understand because everyone would be relating pretty much the same way as like when I come, if I'm coming from Singapore and everyone is communicating the same way, I wouldn't have to adapt myself quite as much. But because we are living in this multicultural society, there mm -hmm. is, I think it's, it's incumbent, I think it's what you are saying, that we need mm -hmm. to take more responsibility to project ourselves appropriately, especially if we're quiet. Yeah, to a degree. And uh, I think where I distinguish is you don't want to fake it. Mm -hmm. And so I think the distinguishing factor there is that you want to adapt so you're not misunderstood, so you're not um, uh, uh, overlooked. And so there's a purpose behind why you're adapting. Um, but also recognize that at times you just you want to be quiet and you that's there's nothing wrong with that either so to follow up to that appreciating fully and adapting mm. purposefully mm. could that also apply to the other person as in the organization the the, the extroverted manager or team leader who is dealing mm. with introverted team members mm -hmm. would they how, how would they also appreciate fully and adapt purposefully to the to the diversity in the room. Mm -hmm. So that goes into the whole inclusive leadership realm. And I think more and more inclusive leadership is becoming important in all organisations. So many would be working on that to some degree. Um, but I think some people really get it and some leaders get it and they appreciate their quiet achievers and they do adapt and they do seek out their input and things like that, which is great. Um, but I think there's still a bit of an assumption about when you see somebody quiet, they we have all these assumptions. This is a collective assumption about oh they're shy, they have, they don't have anything to add, or they they um, uh, you know they're not fast enough in their thinking, or they're not very good at speaking, or whatever. You know, there's all these assumptions that can um, get in the way of them even seeking input. So I think there's a bit of education as well as acknowledgement of of that um, but I think as organizations there's so much benefit to tapping into this talent you know you're wasting so much talent otherwise so I think if organizations think about it enough they can see that it's such an important thing to do to do but having said that as an individual I don't think you can, you can wait for organizations to change and so this is why I think it's both it's both at the individual level to find your own voice and then for organisations to be become more and more inclusive. 
We've got a question from Malti. She says that especially during this everything going online state mm. of affairs, it's so important to showcase your presence mm. through your words. And I think that brings it to the point of Megumi is around the explosion of videos and audios and everything where you are, you know, where if you're not mm -hmm. seen, you don't exist, right? And, and, and there's an increasing the the overall uh, you know agreement is that you've got to do so many things mm -hmm. to keep yourself mm -hmm. visible. You've got to build your brand, and you've got to do mm -hmm. this and that and mm -hmm. everything else. I'm pretty sure the the quiet people or the introverts would find it just absolutely overwhelming. That how can you mm -hmm. do that? You know, it, it is you know sometimes it is even a struggle for them to, to mm. speak up and to share their ideas and now you're mm. you're you're asking them to not only share their ideas with their peers but you're asking mm. them to share their ideas with the whole world out there mm -hmm. right how do you see this you know you know this plays part in the you know the quiet people and their uh, you know their ability to express themselves in this mm -hmm. ever noisy and i think Noise is not getting down. I think it's it's mm -hmm. just increasing more and more. Mm -hmm. How do you see this uh, planning? Because I am I equally my I find myself absolutely conflicted mm. on many many occasions around. Do I talk about it? I don't want to talk about it because mm. there is a pressure. Then if you talk about it once, look, we've been doing it 168 episodes because we can stop it now, right? Mm. You're going to continue doing that. So, mm. so tell me about this. You know, you know how do introverts, you know, manage or you know people who are quiet manage this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually think there's a, a positive and a negative again in this scenario. So um, the positive for quieter people is that it means that um, you, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be video. If you're good at writing, that's a great thing to that great way to contribute to a conversation. And so I know lots of quieter people who might write an email to their teammates you know explaining a concept and, and things like that that can be helpful so you can play to some of the the ways in which you communicate best um, and also what it means is that you can actually have time to think and produce something as opposed to having to speak on the spot and make something up and on the fly so in some ways there's some some benefits there um, the, the downside i think definitely is this noise factor as you talk about um, but the I think adding to the noise doesn't really help because you just get lost in the noise. So what I think it works really well and seeing people do well is rather than add to the noise, add substance. And so rather than do something the same as everybody else, do something a little bit different and have substance to what you're doing. And so you know, it doesn't always work, but it certainly does help in the context of, you know, not just following what everybody else is doing. It sounds to me, Megumi, what you're saying is to to be different by, you have to be more of yourself. Absolutely. Or a Absolutely. quiet person. And that means having that self-awareness, mm -hmm. knowing your own strengths, knowing where you are yeah. not so strong, and, and really playing to your strengths and flowing with that rather than trying yeah, to... Yeah, I, I actually talk about play to your strengths as well as your weaknesses. <laughs> so this is part of the book about being yourself fully and appreciating yourself fully 
because the problem with just focusing on our strengths and playing to your strengths is it makes the weaknesses wrong and they're not necessarily because you could say that somebody who's quiet might think that their quietness is a weakness and a problem if they believe that that's going to get in the way so I'm trying to help people to reframe and say, actually, the quietness is a strength too if you, re, if you look at it in different contexts or different ways of using it. And so reframing weaknesses as potential strengths or potential differentiators is key to being yourself fully and be able to stand out in a different way. So, so I think that's what's helped me actually to say quiet is actually useful which goes counter to what people typically say and that's what allowed me to for people to notice what I'm doing as opposed to just going along with what everybody else is saying I can give an example of a quiet person my dad and uh, uh, now as as you started talking I started to reflect on my dad started as an engineer you know in a state government organization mm -hmm. and he rose to become the kind of a CEO of this organization okay. uh, and with his 10,000 people that he used to manage. Mm. But I've, I've never seen him, um, you know, most about it. I've never seen mm. him. He was very humble, but you, know, you can imagine 35, 40 years in an organization and managing 10,000 people team. Mm -hmm uh you know and his focus was purely on work mm. what you know work is the most important part of his life yeah and and he developed a real mastery around some of the thing and he's still learning i'm you know, went to you know during the covid times when he was in mm. india he would still attend webinars and you know he still wants to learn and he still wants mm. to acquire that mm. and and i'm pretty sure that he has a deeper impact on the people that he people that knows him yeah that you know if i've got question i can go to mr gadani and he will be able to answer yeah. those things yeah. you know? and i think that's his differentiation yes you know he doesn't write articles so he never you know you know has not done anything he's probably started to use uh, you know he's got a uh, you know linkedin account but he's never used that at all yeah, uh, yeah. you know but but i think you know so i think I think the idea of that only people who speak and or extrovert, if that makes sense, are the people who got a great reputation or they're the people who do all the work. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a they, you know, we got to really bust that myth, isn't it? Yeah, because otherwise people who are quiet will, will, will not feel included in the conversation. They always feel like, yeah, you know what, you know, these are talking about people who go and talk TEDx and mm. TED talk and this and that. Right? What are your thoughts? And I want to hear also from Serena mm. as well, Megumi on this. Mm. Sounds like uh, your dad's a wonderful, quietly powerful leader. Sounds very similar to the people that I've interviewed. Um, and maybe I can share the, the three attributes actually just uh, after I comment on what you described of your dad. Oh, thank you. You've got it up. <laughs> um, so these are the quietly powerful leaders that I interviewed for the book, and I continue to interview more people. I might even ask you, um, Nash, if I can interview your dad at some point. <laughs> um, because one of the things I've noticed, or three things that I noticed of these quietly powerful leaders, and it sounds like your dad's like this, is that they're very comfortable with themselves and so comfortable that they can be humble to be able to say, I don't know everything. I'm still learning, like you said and quite willing to learn and accept that they don't know everything. 
And so as a result, people feel comfortable around them because they're very human, they're, they're authentic, they don't pretend to be the know-it-all and the person that needs to dominate the conversation looking like they're the smart one. They, they don't do that. And so that comfort is very, very powerful and um, comforting to the people around them as well. And the second thing I find, because they're comfortable, is that they're very present. And so they are present with people when they're interacting with them. They notice things that other people don't because they're present. They listen very well and so they hear things that other people may miss. And as a result of all this listening and observing, they also develop much deeper connections with people. And, and that's because they are present and without, not so much without, but they, they know how to manage their distractions and including the internal distractions that we spoke about earlier. And so that presence can be felt absolutely, regardless of whether you speak or not. I'm, I'm wondering, Nash, whether you've noticed your dad walking into a room and people notice him even though he hasn't said anything. Yeah, he would. Uh, you know, and I'll narrate an example of the, the comfortableness. You know, he retired, you know, as this sort of a CEO of the organization and then he started to work with a consulting company and then he had to go and sit outside of the same cabin that he was part of. So he would be inside and now he's sitting outside taking appointments to meet the same person who replaced him. Yep. And I was there and I asked him, uh, Dad, and he said, no, I'm, I'm okay with it. I yeah. That was my role and I left that role and now I no longer have that uh, role at all. So I'm, mm -hmm. I should not at all be privileged to go inside just because I held that role. I should mm -hmm. be sitting outside the way every visitors would sit outside. Yeah, and I just felt oh, that's that's pretty pretty great, you know, because he was yeah. absolutely comfortable leaving that position. Yeah, and not at all worrying about that at all. Uh, that yeah. I'm going to leave, uh, you know, this position and but. But that's what I, that's the, the story that I can tell you. And that's what I get out of this is they're absolutely comfortable in where, yeah. where they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I hear from that, Nash, is um, a wonderful comfort in themselves as a human being, as opposed to needing to rely on a position as an identity. Yeah. So CEO or not CEO, it doesn't matter because they're comfortable with themselves. And that, that is a very powerful place to be and a, a huge attribute of a quietly powerful leader who needs doesn't need the attention or positional title or the recognition and all of those things that because they're totally comfortable with who they are so so that that leads to the presence which I've just spoke, spoken about and also Nash you talked about your dad having this sense of focus on work and to me that is captured in this purposefulness attribute so what I found of the quietly powerful leaders I interviewed, some of them said that they never thought of themselves as leaders. They, they didn't feel comfortable about it. They were quite reluctant when they got asked to step into leadership positions. And uh, the only reason why they stepped in was because they saw a purpose greater than themselves and they thought they could contribute something. And so they stepped in, not because they wanted the power or the control or the attention, it's because they saw they can contribute to something greater than themselves. And so what you said, Nash, about his focus on work, it was all about the work, is very much about, that's why he was there, it was for the work. So I think that makes a big difference once again, in terms of where, uh, how, how, 
quietly powerful leaders show up, they don't show up because they want the power and control and the attention. And to me, if I were to work for a leader, I would much work for a leader who's focused on achieving an outcome and achieving goals and, and a purpose that's greater than just them. It's not about their promotion. It's not about their their um, achievements. So yeah, so that's the the three attributes of the quietly powerful leaders that uh, I found, and uh, I think it's a really powerful set of attributes that any leader can have. And so you can, and and what I'm finding is that some some leaders have developed over a long time to get there, um, but I'm finding with the people that I'm coaching, they they can develop these, and so so that's really the the opportunity that quieter people may have. What I'm hearing from Neshad's um, story about his dad also mm. is, is that freedom, that, that choice of not being tied up to your ego. Mm -hmm. of, it, it gives you a lot of freedom when you realize, as Megumi says, your identity is not bound up in your work or in what you do. Rather, when you lose yourself in that higher purpose or that bigger picture, that something, whatever it is that is that inspires you, lights you up, yeah. and that you want to share with the world and you want to bring your whole team along with you. And so you become one piece of the puzzle. It's yeah. no longer up to you and, you know, just by yourself to carry that burden. And I yeah. think that's, that's the power of the, the quietly powerful leader. Mm -hmm. that's, that's quite an asset that is underrated. Mm. And the other thing that having that sense of purposefulness does is that it allows you to adapt purposefully like we were talking about earlier. So, you know, there are things that, as a quieter person, there are things that doesn't come naturally or for uh, for some people it, it feels quite uncomfortable. But if you focus on what you're doing it for and you're committed to doing whatever it is for, then you are much more likely to step outside the comfort zone, have a go. And even if you fail, you still go, oh, well, I had a go and I'm going to give it another shot or I'll keep practising, I'll build skills and so on. So you become much more courageous as a result. It is absolutely phenomenal. Look, Megumi, uh, you know, it's been absolutely fascinating to pick your insights because everything that you said would resonate with me, with Serena, and obviously the listeners, uh, you know, of this show as well. So, uh, look, you know, great work. It's an awesome book. We'll put the link on the uh, on the live chat for every one of you to go and uh, buy that book or give that to somebody who you think is a quieter and um, you know we are not talking about your son who is quiet but we are talking about someone who is uh you know who you consider as a quiet um you know give them uh, because i think they will find a sense of purpose and they will also find their place in the organization or the community megumi again thank you very much for joining us thank you again thank you nash and thank you serena and Serena, thank you very much. I think you, you have steered the ship very well and uh, Caroline can, you know, take advantage of all the ease restriction, Caroline, and we will see you, uh, you know, fairly soon. But thank you again, Serena, for jumping in, uh, you know, straight away and, you know, helping us, you know, really steer this conversation in a meaningful way. Thank you again, Serena. My pleasure. Excellent. All right. So tomorrow we are going to US. Well, someone's coming from US and talk about, um, you know, skyrocketing your career. So he, his name is Raj Subramayar and he has built 
an, a great rapid rising IT career and he has written a book on this which is called skyrocket your career no BS approach to uh, to accelerate your career so do join us tomorrow 3 p.m melbourne time until then please look after yourself and your loved ones and be happy bye for now everyone bye thank you everyone for listening to the your career down under show hope you enjoyed today's episode if you want to know more about how your career down under can help you please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au and if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.